and welcome to episode 110 of the Fertility Podcast. My name is Natalie Silverman and I'm your host. And I made this podcast in 2014, having had successful fertility treatment. So I've been on a bit of a journey myself. I've got a little boy who will be three in March. And I've made it a bit of a mission to continue to talk to all sorts of people in the fertility world. This podcast is for you if you have found that having a baby basically isn't as straightforward as you'd maybe thought. You might already be heading into fertility treatment. We might just be wanting to find out more about diagnoses, different tests that you could have, expert opinion on things that could be preventing you getting pregnant. Whether you're male or female, this podcast is for you. I've done all sorts of different episodes about issues affecting male fertility. So do have a look around either at thefertilitypodcast.com or in iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast, wherever you've come across this podcast. Now, I speak to experts all over the world, as well as people that I meet online sharing their stories. And infertility has a massive impact on your mental health. And it's something that I've talked about with different people, but I haven't really, really focused on it from how dark it can get. And my next guest is happy to share her journey and where she went which was a a pretty dark place to the point that she had a breakdown so I'll be straight up here and some of the chat that we have is pretty is pretty sad and it's always really hard from my point of view to hear what you go through but I also feel privileged to be able to talk to you about it in the hope that if one other person feels less isolated as a result of you sharing your story with me then I've done a good job and that's what Catherine and I are doing here so have a listen to what she explains happened to her and how she has worked through it and I I think you'll agree from listening to Catherine that she's come on an amazing journey so here she is now. I'm now going to welcome Catherine who writes a blog called Strength Through Infertility to share her journey. Catherine welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now we've just been talking about your story and where you are and how best to approach it and I was just saying to Catherine that her blog is an incredibly honest and I say this about people's blogs and I'm always kind of bowled over at how much you know you put down and you share but you have been on quite a journey and let's just go from the point that you found out because I want to go to you know where you are and we've got a lot to talk about so that that point I mean it's been is it seven years that you've been trying we've been having treatment our first treatment was in 2010 so uh, seven years of treatment trying a number of years before that so it's been about 11 years in total that first kind of realizing that there was an issue was there a a diagnosis given or was that unexplained no my husband went to the the gp to rule himself out if you like and his results came back to say that he'd got low count and general poor sort of sperm parameters so when we saw the gp together after he got those results the comment from the gp was um you'll just need a little help to get pregnant and i'll refer you for ivf and that's yeah, that's quite some time ago. So that was really the kind of start of uh, realising that we we had got a, an issue and something that we'd kind of needed to try to resolve through medical treatment, really. And at that point, were you eligible for funding from the NHS? Yeah, we were eligible for two cycles. Um, and that would also include any frozen cycles that um, we needed as a result if we got embryos frozen. So, you know, in that respect, we were very fortunate that um, we knew we got um, two 
um, NHS funded cycles, definitely. So you went through the first, yeah, and unfortunately it didn't work. So did you then go straight to a frozen, or did you then try again with a, another cycle? My first experience of IVF, I actually didn't have a transfer. Um, I ended up um, very unwell in hospital with um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, right. um, which was really quite traumatic. So all the embryos that we got um, were frozen. Um, we then moved on to a frozen cycle a few months later. That didn't work. A few months later, we then moved to another frozen cycle. That unfortunately didn't work. And then we took a bit of a, a break for a few months, went for the third frozen cycle. We'd got six embryos frozen total. Um, we had two put back each time. Um, we went for the third frozen cycle. And unfortunately, that didn't work either. Um, so we then um, started to go down the track of um, our second fresh cycle. And I think by that point was really the point that I started to kind of worry and really wonder whether this would ever actually happen for us. I think up until that point, we'd all, we, you know, the, we'd both been full of um, hope and you hear lots of positive stories about IVF and even the doctor's comments of, oh, you just need a little help to get pregnant. That's kind of doesn't sound that, that big a deal, really. Um, but effectively sort of a, a, a fresh cycle that didn't happen, being very, very unwell, and then three failed frozen cycles um, was really for me where that doubt started to creep in and the panic started to set in and the withdrawal from things around me really started because I just felt completely isolated, complete and utter failure, to be honest. Mm. Um, and it, I really, really started to struggle at that point. So, so we went. I was just going to ask, were you then looking to get some kind of counselling advice or support from, from somebody in the fertility world? Um, to be honest, after each of the frozen cycles didn't work, um, I was offered counselling by the clinic and each time I refused it. In my mind at that point, if I needed counselling, that meant I was a complete failure. That was just the connection that I personally had made. So there's a real battle with your internal dialogue going on, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, I, was, I knew I was struggling, but I didn't really want to reach out. I didn't want to admit that to people around me. I didn't want to go and sit in front of a counsellor. And my when people would ask me about whether I would see a counsellor, my response was always, well, a counsellor's not going to get me pregnant, so what's the point? I was so absorbed with that being kind of what needed to happen, that the rest of life around me just kind of was going on and I was taking very little care really of my my own well-being um, and become completely fixated on IVF cycle after one after another and, it, you know, it needing to work for us. And were you still working at the time? Yeah, through all of the treatment I've always had a, a full-time job, quite a stressful job, so I manage a large team of people at some points, I've been managing teams spread across the country. So there's always been demands on the work front. And to be honest, some of the stress that kind of I held wasn't all about infertility. Some of some of that was certainly born out of the job that I'd got as well. And we've had conversations. Should I finish work? Should I give up my job? Should I give up my career? Would that give us the better chance of IVF working? Um, I even posted on 
one of the forums once, like, I'm thinking of giving up my job. Has anybody done this and had a successful treatment? Um, and there was various kind of responses to that. Some saying definitely don't, some saying definitely do. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the depth that I was, you know, the lengths that I was prepared to go to potentially just so that we would have a chance at having a family. And I know from your later blogs that you have sought out kind of natural therapies, acupuncture and the like. Were these later or at that point you've talked about beating yourself up quite a lot, to be fair, not accepting any kind of support from a counselling point of view. Did you find any inner peace with a bit of those kind of natural holistic therapies at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think my first acupuncture came around our um, second frozen cycle. I remember the first time that I came out of an acupuncture session, I felt like a huge black cloud had lifted from over me. It's good to hear. Um, there was definitely a sense of kind of calm and like trying to manage that anxiety. And I would have acu- I've had acupuncture with most of my frozen cycles since. But in it's the gaps in between. I mean, it's it's a relatively expensive thing mm. to do. So to kind of keep that going long term probably you know we wouldn't have potentially been able to afford that so where I really started to struggle was the the gaps in between the treatment I've also said that the only times in the past I felt happy was when I was heading for IVF I was so consumed by it and when you wrote to me you mentioned that you'd had a breakdown and I mean we're talking where I know you're in a better place and that's the only reason, not the only reason, because I want to hear about it, but that's why I know that you're comfortable talking about it. At what point was that? How how many attempts had you had at that point? So by that point, we'd had the fresh cycle with no transfer. We'd done three frozen replacements. I then went for another fresh cycle. Again, that resulted in OHSS. Again, I was hospitalised. No embryos were transferred. And then I had two further frozen transfers um so what five frozen replacements in total and then I rapidly kind of deteriorated after that point we'd gone into the fifth frozen one saying that was potentially our last and I think that was part of the problem that for me then this huge panic set in over a a period of a number of months I just completely withdrew from everybody everything um I didn't realize it but I was suffering with um stress depression anxiety um but to me that felt like the kind of new way I was living and I'd I'd probably been in that state in in some regard um for actually a few years but because I'd kind of gone down that path gradually I'd not really known that was what was happening to me um, and then it's two, It's coming up for two years in the next couple of weeks that we were due to um, go out with a family to do our normal pre-Christmas kind of things and I just couldn't go, had an, had an anxiety attack, stood in the hallway of our house sobbing and sobbing and just said, I can't do this anymore, um, I can't go to work, I can't function and I just, and that was it and then at that point... Um, I went to see the GP. He signed me off work for a couple of weeks and said, 
you're suffering with um, stress, anxiety, signs of depression, and you just need a few kind of weeks off. Um, so they offered me um, to counselling, but said it would be a six-month wait hmm. um, through the NHS. And I, hand on heart, knew I couldn't wait six months. Um, so a couple of days later, I found a, a counsellor through the Beaker website, so they specialise in um, infertility, um, contacted her, and a, f- a few days later I went for my first appointment, and that really was kind of the the start of the turning point, and being able to acknowledge actually everything that I'd been through emotionally, physically, kind of, it was it was reasonable that that had had an impact on me. Um, I couldn't see that at the time. I just thought I was a complete and utter like, waste of space, a failure. Nothing we did would work. Everybody else around us was having children, yet no matter how hard we tried, nothing was working for us. Um, so really that kind of point came, and I knew I wouldn't get through that on my own, and that was the point that I ended up sort of reaching out, knowing that I needed someone else to kind of help and guide me through that. Well, well done, because that's the hardest thing, is admitting that you need the help and then asking for the help. So thank God. Thank God you did, and thank God that there was a benefit that you felt straight away, because I can imagine from what you've said about yourself that if you'd gone and hadn't felt any different, you possibly could have, would have walked away after that first session. Yeah, and I had a couple of sessions. Um, I got signed off. I ended up being off work in the end for about four months. And to be honest, I had a couple of sessions and thought, oh, God, this is opening up all manner of things and I'm not sure I'm ready for it. And because I was off work, we'd booked a holiday, so we went off and had a holiday in the Maldives and went to Dubai. and And I was on holiday thinking, I'm really not kind of enjoying this. Something's really really not right here but we got back and then for some reason that I will probably never be able to explain we actually went through another IVF cycle and that should have been a, a freeze-all cycle so I went we went over to Greece um, for treatment and I wasn't expecting to have an embryo transfer which I think is probably why I thought oh I'll, I'll be okay I'll we'll hopefully get some embryos frozen I'll come home go back to work get sorted and then we can have a you know a transfer later in the year but while we were out there that actually changed and they did a a fresh transfer and I really wasn't in the right kind of headspace for that but we were out there and thought yeah may as well do it unfortunately that one didn't work either and then the day that um the day that we got the negative result on that um I messaged my counsellor and said I yeah I need to start this again and I need to kind of pay this some real attention. And since then, really, I've been going really regularly. And I am a completely different person now. There's no doubt about that. It's completely changed my life. Well, you've written in a lot of detail about the relationship with your counsellor in, in the sense of how it's made you feel. And one of the blog posts that I was reading was talking about the word trauma. And in light of all the press coverage, especially in the UK, about 
fertility treatments on the NHS and all the people who don't believe that it should be and all of the mental health issues that come with infertility that nobody outside the fertility world really seemed to pay any attention to. I mean, how did it make you feel to actually, I suppose, be given permission to use that word? Because you've suffered loss, so you've got bereavement in there. You've had these failed cycles. You said you went to Greece and had something happen that you didn't really expect, but you thought, or oh, whatever. But that's a traumatic thing that you went and you almost did it against your will. Not that it was against your will because you consented, but then it didn't have the outcome that you hoped. And so how did you feel being, I suppose, given a right to use that word? It was quite freeing. I remember the very first session that I had and I sort of talked through each of the cycles and all the things that had happened and obviously in the in the means in the mean of time of having cycles we've changed clinics we've moved embryos we've gone down the immunology route um so we've tried different things with each of the the later frozen transfers and so all of that does take its toll but whilst you're in it that you're always or I was always searching for the next thing and then well that hasn't worked so what's the next thing and and I don't think I really paid much attention to kind of the trauma that that was placing on me repeatedly Mm. um and then for someone to sit there and say actually you know yeah you are traumatized this has traumatized you and you have every right to be feeling the way you feel and actually it's no wonder um you're feeling the way you're feeling because you have been through so much that acknowledgement for me was huge because I couldn't acknowledge that myself. I was probably living in denial about everything that we had been through because it was just this kind of treadmill of, I need, I need this to work, This whatever we do next, this has got to work, this needs to work. Um, and it, I was almost tr- trapped by it, I think, and couldn't see a life outside of it lost you know friendships I've withdrawn from a lot of people who fortunately now some of those I've shared the blog with them in the hope of saying actually this is what we've been through I hope you now have a bit of understanding about maybe why I said no to your baby shower invite and why I've avoided the birthday parties and all of those types of things because I think a lot of our friends struggle to understand why I would struggle with those things. Mm. You, you know, it's just, well, you should just get on with it and they're your friends and that's it. So um, it kind of oozes out into every aspect of your yeah. life and every relationship that I've got, whether it's, you know, family, friends, people at work, colleagues, um, infertility for me, impacting on all of those things. And it's really, really difficult to kind of navigate that. So in kind of acknowledging that, it's okay that that happened and now I've got some tools and and actually the biggest thing for me was being okay with saying no and saying actually I'm not going to put myself in that situation because for me I know that's going to be upsetting I know that's going to trigger I know that's not going to make me feel good about myself I'm saying no I always used to feel very guilty and then my husband would he would end up going and I would stay or we'd have to say that I wasn't very well or kind of making excuses really as why we weren't taking part in life around us. Whereas now I think I'm more than okay with saying, 
actually right now I'm not feeling great about things and I'm sorry can't kind of join in with that yay self-protection very empowering yeah one of the things that you'd written about when you talked about your managing yourself through the process was acknowledging the loss of your embryos and you've talked about numerous frozen embryo transfers talk to me a little bit about that and you've said you still grieve for the 12 precious embryos that didn't make it to this world even though you wanted them so much and that it's okay and that you still need to grieve and that you'll never stop thinking about them and I thought that was such a beautiful sentiment and I think something that a lot of people listening will really relate to so how, how are you managing that that aspect of what's happened? Obviously, you're, you're looking forward. It's a tricky one. We are about to head into a, another IVF cycle. So for us, there's always that kind of the hope and, and that, that future is, is still kind of a possibility for us. But I think I almost got into a position of it just being very clinical and very kind of, oh, it's it's not worked. Oh, we've got two more frozen let's start again, the drug start and that kind of a thing. Part of acknowledging the kind of the trauma is around also that actually there is a loss in there. And I think that's something that people around us struggle with as well as, you know, what have you lost? And for us, for me, those embryos were our chance at being parents. They were created by, the t- you know, the two of us kind of, okay, it was in a lab. Um, and actually when you lie there and have a, an embryo um, transfer and, you know, they say to you, oh, look at the flash on the screen and there's a little white flicker. And, you, you know, for us, that was kind of the start potentially of our family. And then when that doesn't happen, um, th- there's a, there is a connection there with them, even though they didn't implant and they didn't kind of, develop and grow into children as we hoped they they would have done um we're still very connected with the fact that we created them and we wanted them yes we love them we wouldn't have put ourselves through everything that we've been through if it wasn't what we wanted so much and so i think it is really important to acknowledge that there is a loss there and it's something that's only really come to me much more recently when i've probably through writing the blog and I sit down and think about kind of how things have gone and the process we've gone through and it it is very clinical it is very mechanical but actually the kind of more human side of that is there's also these embryos that are created and that was our chance at life and that didn't happen it's a difficult one but I think it's really important to acknowledge that that is a loss. And alongside that, you have also been really working on your your mindset with regards to holding on to negativity about what's happened before. And I know that you've talked about, I don't know whether it's a counsellor or your acupuncturist that has talked you through your body reacting to the negativity. Just explain that to me. Yeah, I went to see a, an acupuncturist really in preparation for the next cycle that we're we're going into a different a new acupuncturist a new one yeah not seen her before so she as as you do you sort of talk through everything that you've been through and all the treatments that you've had and which clinics you've been to and have you moved clinics during this the last seven years 
this is our fourth clinic. Okay. I talked to her about treatment that we'd had and she was the one that pulled me up on using the word failure and said she never wanted me to use that word again, which actually makes complete sense because the cycles failed, if you like, but that was also became a, a, how I thought about myself, that in that failing, that meant I'd failed and that kind of was breeding quite a negative um, view of myself and my own body and my ability to become pregnant and stay pregnant. So, um, yeah, I kind of was told she never wanted to hear that word again. So I promised that I wouldn't. Good. Um, And then I think probably in the way I was talking through the cycles, I think she picked up on some of my body language, to be fair, that I was sat quite hunched and a bit tight. And, you know, from her perspective, she was sort of saying that if you hold negativity, you kind of got to release that, get rid of it. Otherwise, it will sort of cause blockages and in, in energy levels, really, as you flow through your system. And that, that also kind of mind and body are completely interconnected. So if there's negative kind of in your body, that can kind of go into your mind and vice versa. So... I mean, obviously, she explained it a lot better than I'm trying to now. <laughs> I sat back as she was sort of talking and thought, you're absolutely right. If I'm ever going to believe that this is going to work, I've got to get into a positive space and I've got to stop the tension within my body. Every time I think about IVF, my body goes into a bit of a, ooh, a bit of a tiz, but, um, and I've got to try and release that to, to be more relaxed and to be accepting and, and open. And it sounds like it's setting you up. And I know that you've talked about how you've changed since your breakdown and that you've still got a way to being healed. But it sounds like you're really setting yourself up with all the right types of people around you and the habits that you're creating with regards to your thinking and how you're behaving and hopefully enabling you, regardless of what you're heading into day to day, to ease off a bit, I hope, and not not be so consumed with the treatment are you finding you're able to think about some other things the last year for me has been a huge change starting to think about a life without children and without a family um and trying to get to the position of actually that wouldn't be what we would have chosen but that will be okay and we will be okay and so um i started the blog um that's that's been a, a, a great outlet for me. Um, obviously, the counselling I've continued, um, and even as we're about to head fresh into a, another cycle, I've been to counselling. My husband and I have been together for a session to talk about how we navigate the next cycle, which we would have never have done um, with any of the previous ones. Um, but I've also started to try and support others that are going through it. Um, I mean, there's been times in, in, in our journey where I felt completely isolated, alone, didn't know where to turn to, didn't have anybody to talk to. There was no support groups that I could kind of access. Um, so in the summer this year, I um, began volunteering for Fertility Network UK mm-hmm. and started... Um, an online support group through them for the county that um, I live in. And then I've set the first meetup up for next week, actually. So that's very new as well. And actually that will support me, but also kind of hopefully will support others 
that are going through it. So I'm absolutely no longer consumed by infertility or the desire to, to have a family. It, we would love nothing more than to have a family, but we also now appreciate that there's so much more in life as well. Um, and if it doesn't happen for us, yes, I, th- you know, I know there'll be a process of grieving that and, and moving on from that, but I'm also a lot more kind of comfortable um, with the fact that I'll have a great, fulfilling, rich life anyway. Um, I've also started a, a counselling course myself, so that's got me back to college one evening a week. So I've kind of found a lot of things that are a really positive distraction, really. Um, and I no longer think about kind of having a child every second of every day. Um, whereas we're in our kind of early days of um, trying to conceive and then as the fertility treatment started, it literally took up every second of every day. And that, that just isn't the case anymore. So it's taken a long time for me to get here and it hasn't happened overnight. And I think some of that also is, you know, time. We have been going through this for a long time. I am getting a bit older, possibly a bit more maturity as well. And so, yeah, I just look at things quite differently now. If this next cycle leads to us having a family, wonderful. That You know, that's exactly what we want to happen. But if it doesn't, I know that we'll be okay. Do you feel proud of yourself? I do, actually. Yeah. Good. I just don't like to say that. but You yeah, should. I, I, I think it's... I'm surprised, actually, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm no longer trapped in that place because I thought I would be there forever I never thought there would come a day where actually I would be okay if this fertility treatment doesn't work for us and I'm you know I can see that I'm starting to head towards that now Um, and I'm just actually I'm happy that that is the case because to be consumed for so long by so much pain, so much grief, so much loss, so much anger, sadness, all of those things. And they were coming and going at different rates at different times. I was a shadow of who I am now. And, you know, I'm so happy that that that's the case. But I'm so desperately wanting to help other people and to help them see that, yeah, this is really, really awful and nobody kind of deserves to go through this. But actually, we've all got some strength somewhere and we can all survive this. And kind of to help people through their own journeys is, um, is also a really good thing and, and it helps me as well. Do you think one of the main things that you'd say to anybody listening who is identifying with what you've said is that you can't do it on your own and as stubborn as you were to accept help in the early days, the reality has been that you had to have somebody else there to talk you through all of this and to help you see differently, even if someone might be listening going, no, I I, I cannot go to counselling, I don't want to go to counselling. What would you say? I would say that um, just go. I should have gone. Um, everybody around me was saying, you know, have you thought of counselling? Um, and I had, um, but I, I was of that mindset that that meant I'd failed. Counselling does not mean that you failed. 
it means that you have acknowledged that you need someone to talk to. And actually, that for me, that third party that I've never met, completely impartial, I can say what the heck I like, which is actually fantastic. So I can moan about anybody, anything. Um, we talk it through. And it's just a fantastic outlet. And over time, the grief and the loss and all those negative feelings do start to... Okay, they're there, but they're not all consumed. And I think I went into cycles and I probably wasn't in a good place to go and do them. Mm. And nobody in a clinic ever said or did an assessment to say, actually, are you okay emotionally to cope with this? It's all around the kind of physical side of things, how your cycles and can we fit you in and you start the injections. You know, not one nurse or consultant or anybody in in the clinics themselves actually said you know are you ready for this emotionally can you go through this again um which is why you've kind of got to advocate for yourself and actually you know you know yourself if you're not kind of in the right headspace and there's no shame in sort of saying actually before i go into this i need just to go and talk it through with somebody and just to check where I'm up to, hopefully get some help from those people. So, yeah, I would definitely say to, to anyone who's going into it or, I mean, I see quite often on social media, I'm quite sort of active through Twitter, you know, people who have had cycles that haven't worked and, and sort of head into the next one without taking that step back and taking that care of themselves emotionally. And I would always kind of say to those people, go and speak to someone. There's no shame in that, and it doesn't mean you're a failure or you failed. It actually will help you get ready and get strong to go again. Well, Catherine, thank you for talking to me and for what you're doing with Fertility Network. We're going to put all the details to your blog, Strength Through Infertility, on the show notes. And good luck with what happens next. It's good to hear that you're in a good place. But thank you. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks for having me. The Fertility Podcast is supported by OvuSense. If you're trying to monitor your cycle and finding it overwhelming, OvuSense is the only ovulation monitor on the market that is a class 2 medical device. It has a vaginal sensor and app and fits like a tampon, so it's really easy to use and comfortable to wear. Now you use it at night while you sleep and then in the morning you simply remove, wash it and download your data to see your cycle pattern. Now OvuSense has proven comfortable for women in over 10,000 cycles of use and can predict ovulation up to a day in advance and can confirm it with 99% accuracy. To find out more, visit ovisense.com. The Fertility Podcast is also supported by IVF Matters, the UK's first online fertility clinic where you can order tests delivered to your door, have scans at multiple locations and speak to consultants in the comfort of your own home. It's a truly unique way to experience your fertility journey and you can find out more at ivfmatters.co.uk. Now, the show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash strength. So check out the show notes and there'll be links to Catherine's blog as well as other things that we spoke about, her social media, so you can follow her online. And then whilst you're on my website, you can fill in your details to make sure you don't miss an episode and have a listen to some others too. Something else that I want you to know about is called The Ultimate Fertility Guide, which I'm launching in the new year. So if you visit theultimatefertilityguide.com and register your details, then you could be a part of it if you work in the industry, whether you work at a clinic 
or maybe you are in natural fertility or you maybe write a blog this is going to be an interactive platform really exciting where you can find out loads of information about different uh, services available and also there's going to be live streamed discussions from experts from fertility coaches kind of like the guests that I have on my podcast but you'll be able to speak to them in real time so I'm really excited about that and can't wait to share it with you in 2018. Thank you as always for your support. If you want to get in touch just email me natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com or of course you can follow me online at Fertility Poddy on Twitter and Instagram and my Facebook page is The Fertility Podcast. So until the next time.